Hey guys, welcome to Minefields. My name is Joshua Michael. This is my best friend in the whole world, Mr. Colin. How you doing, brother? Woo! You're still on the you're still on the jazz from Mania, ain't you? <laughs> I I I'm not gonna say I'm on the jazz. I just you know I'm gonna say I kind of forgot about Woo for a while, and I've been in. I'm just I'm I'm just happy, and I know that there's a lot of reasons to be upset out there, but dude. Hey, uh, minefielders! If you are into wrestling and you have friends who are into wrestling, and whether or not you like what's going on in any of those franchises, I think that you call your friends and you hold the phone at arm's length and you woo and yeah. uh, let them let them woo back, man. It'll change your day. That it's, it's just a great moment. I woo every time I get into my car and every time I get out of it. You do? That's I, awesome, man. I, I really like my car. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool car. It's not the Batmobile, but it's pretty badass. I, I, I've, I've got a little SI. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I've been keeping busy. Uh, work's been going really well. Um, been having like uh, uh, simulcast dates with my friends where uh, we'll both <laughs> yep. watch the same movie at the same time and be on the phone at the same time. Uh, virtual lunch dates, that sort of thing. Um, just doing my best to cook well and doing DDP yoga, and that's been that's been making me feel kind oh, of weird, rad, dude. And, I need uh, to, yeah. Oh, it'll open up parts of you that, where you've stored up all kinds of like pensive energies, negative energies, stress, and it'll release it into your body, and it'll change your entire aura. You've got to, and then you'll have to wash that away. Uh, but that's not not difficult. I, I, dude, I got in and stretched out my entire hip flexors um, this weekend because my boy was issued a challenge by his taekwondo master to do a bunch of squat kicks and uh, film it so that he could get um, credit uh, credit for his class. Man, I felt totally different after all the stretching. And then I've been stretching anyways because I've been working out so much lately. And then I... Uh, I wrote, I drove to the movie theater, one of the movie theaters, the big one here in uh, Tulsa, and it, the parking lot was just empty. I sat there in the car because it was not super nice out and wrote yesterday. And then I got out and I jogged the entire perimeter uh, when I'd written myself out so I could get some exercise and so I could stay stretched and limber. Man, yeah, dude, that kind of stuff. Tell me about DDP yoga, though. DDP yoga, it's a lot more. Uh, I do have to say, it's a little bit more uh, macho than uh, regular regular yoga. I've only been doing it a couple of days, but uh, the beginner courses and stuff, and finally got charged the full the full fifty dollar charge for the three months, and uh, I'm I'm digging it because it's it's getting me doing you know be a little bit more active from just working like mm-hmm. in a call center or sitting in front of a computer all day, and then coming home and sitting in front of a computer again. And then I've yeah. been going for walks around my neighborhood uh, later on at night when um, people aren't around. Uh, I just like there's just so many kids out. It just makes me nervous. Like if I had to go to the store and there's like all these kids just playing and in, in, like actually in the street. And uh, uh, th- there's that. But the the, the one thing that I, I really want is uh, pictures of Spider Man. <laughs> Before you called, before you called, uh, it was like the it was the best part of uh, my favorite part of uh, <laughs> Far From Home was uh, 
J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, getting man. J.K. Simmons back. Holy moly. What Love an him. amazing it's casting a, it's a, bonus. It's a great get. He was on The Simpsons as a uh, poetry publisher. And uh, <laughs> and he was he was like J. Jonah turned to like 11. And it was so funny. He's like, he's like uh, you work for me? Why not? Like, we're not friends anymore? I thought you liked me. Never mind. Let's be friends. Well, then, okay, why don't you go today for dinner? And I'm like, and like I don't want this. I want pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> like, uh, it it just it it makes me happy. It was really good to watch uh, Far From Home. I, I every time I've watched Far From Home, it's been really disjointed. Where I stopped it or fell asleep, and I finally got to see it in one fell swoop, and it, it made me happy. Uh, I I loved like at the very end, I'm like thinking to myself like, did I like that? And then my brain goes, dude, Parker got the girl. <laughs> like you know yeah that's that's a big totally deal did. that's a big deal like i know like he does get girls but it, it's a it's a long that's, effort yeah it's a long that's what effort. we were going to discuss uh mm-hmm. you asked me about liz uh like liz of liz allen is of course the vulture's uh, daughter watched, in the show in the in the movie that's right in the movie and of course she was in the original early spideys and then, uh, so what it comes down to in Amazing Spider-Man is that she was a girl that it took like, I don't know, 15, 20 issues for her to warm up to the idea that Peter wasn't a total doof. <laughs> and, um, you know, because it was the 60s, too, because they were really pushing the, like, macho male concept versus the egghead Parker type thing. And you, you get that out of Flash Thompson being a prick about it all the time. But, um... Yeah, Liz eventually developed a crush on Peter, and uh, he couldn't. He never had eyes for her. But I really appreciated it when you read Ultimate Spider-Man that in the early handfuls of them, like after issue five and thereabouts, there was a really great issue where Peter was leading the team in scoring for basketball because he had spider powers, and it was before he. I guess really realized that great power and great responsibility. Um, actually, so I'm going to guess it was before issue five, because I think it took that long for them to kill Uncle Ben. And Liz uh, was hitting on him drunk at a party at Kong's place. Okay. And Kong was Flash Thompson's best buddy uh, and teammate in Ultimate Spider-Man. I have always loved the character of Kong, he is a non-powered civilian, teenage high schooler, and uh, you see him have a story arc, and then they just dismissed him. They like blew him off. They didn't do anything with him anymore. But like my my son and I, we've since we've got a Lego city that's heavily devoted to Marvel stuff. We've always had a Kong, and we've always had Flash and Liz running around together with Kong, and then Mary Jane, and then Harry. And uh, Peter will eventually tag along and have to leave. And all of our narrative that we've been doing for years just... uh, But they're there. They're just like standing Lego guys we've made. I don't know. Like I say, I always liked Kong. Liz Allen, I don't know. I don't think she got a fair shake out of Homecoming. Uh, Her mom in that movie was played by Griselle Buffet. I used to have dinner and Christmas parties and pool parties at her house in LA because my girlfriend at the time was friends with her niece so we were just in there and uh but we didn't get to hang out with Michael Keaton that would have been incredible anyway yeah Liz Allen just a 
Like, oh, she eventually marries Harry, and they have a little normie, baby normie. So, Liz Allen is still in the picture. Uh, okay, and in then Amazing Spider-Man. If I if I if I do say so. Okay, now I feel like an idiot. I gotta keep talking because I want to look up one little thing because I'm. I feel yeah, like go an for idiot. it. Ah, don't worry about it. I mean, you go back and you look at like I think it was Spectacular Spider-Man two hundred where Harry was killed when he was Green Goblin 2. Uh, and it was in a moment... Like, you know, the, the the mess that was in his head because of the former drug use and then apparently trying Goblin Serum and trying to... He wanted to get Peter for killing his father. And he's flying around on the glider and it gets into this whole business where his own unfortunate revenge antics was going to kill a kid that reminded him of normie so his son so he then goes and like tries to save the day and gets crushed and kind of dies a hero not really it just levels out uh it's just an unfortunate end to a character that was a real wreck i always want to see peter's friends and loved ones end up just kind of getting away from the superhero thing and not getting involved it's like you and i have been talking about hulk lately and i'm i'm always really bored of the idea that everyone who is involved with bruce banner and the hulk is eventually going to end up a hulk but we're going to talk about that again later what, what were you trying to look yeah. up did you get there yeah i got there okay so uh liz uh i just wanted to double check liz is actually the head of alchemex right now and the last oh time, good the last time i remember reading about her was Okay, so when Eddie Brock is back and he's got the Venom symbiote and he's sick and the Venom symbiote is sick, uh, he goes to her. He's actually working for Alchemix kind of part-time, uh, more like indentured servant type way. Um, and uh, there's this fat guy on a, on a wheelchair that was pretty cool that was like the, the head chemist scientist that was... Uh, I was thinking she was Menace. Uh, I... I uh, that's what that's why I got confused. No, she's not. She's huh. not menace. Uh, the one okay. thing I was excited about today was I finally, finally figured out who the night nurse is in Daredevil. Oh yeah, in in the in Doctor Strange and uh, everything in the Marvel universe. Okay, so the way it breaks down, guys. If you've never read Night Nurse, uh, do yourself a favor. It's on the Marvel app. There's four issues. Make sure you check out the uh, Sosia Sisters version. Uh, there's a one shot. Oh, I can't wait! I can't yeah. wait. We talked about that at length today. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. just a, a one shot that that they did. Uh, just it was actually their debut. Uh, Secret Wars Journal number five came out in 2015. Uh, okay, so in the in Daredevil, well, let me just think for a second. Okay, so the way that the Night Nurse is broken down and why it's confusing uh, because we we all expected to see Night Nurse and Daredevil, and we assumed Rosaria Dawson was the night nurse i'm gonna say that that that's my impression because i can't remember the name i remember christine palmer correct was the night nurse correct and that was rachel mcadams in doctor strange okay so so you're getting ahead of me all right okay, so, yeah, i don't want to go too far okay so in the pages of the night nurse the night nurse um the the main blonde her actual name is linda carter when it be- oh wait what yes i am totally confused okay go the actual Great. blonde that's on the covers the main night nurse the that it's all circled around is linda carter when it initially begins it's it's you, you got to realize that this is a uh 70s romance type type story 
Uh, it came out in 1972, number one. Uh, ri- yeah, it's been a long... Yeah. Written by yeah. Gene Thomas, uh, drawn by Wynne Mortimer. She's... She's has she has a dilemma about whether or not she should finish being a nurse and learning uh, finish school to be a nurse or go off with this guy and might be the love of her life. Immediately she has roommates when she first goes to school mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. the big metropolitan area. They don't really specify till later. Uh, she's got these two roommates, Georgia Jenkins and Christine Palmer. Oh, okay, gotcha. What they what they essentially did in. The Marvel Cinematic Universe and the, the television universe, which is actually, uh, from what I understand, linked. We just haven't really seen too much of it. Is that it they totally is linked. They yeah. they broke down the idea of the Night Nurse into two different characters: Christine Palmer, uh, roommate of Linda Carter, and they become friends, and it, the, the, they've got their own romantic uh, interest. It, it's a romance thing, you know. You, yeah. You've read it. It's a Marvel romance book. You've read mm-hmm. it. it. It's it's a lot of fun. Christine Palmer. I've got two issues. Of the original Night Nurse. It only lasted for four. You have my uh, uh-huh, mini mini uh, graphic novel, which is all four in one that came out in, like, I want to say 2010 or 2012. Uh, okay, so... I thought it was more recent, but I get you. Rosaria mm-hmm. Dawson's character is actually from the pages of Luke Cage. And she is essentially a, 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 a night nurse uh, in, in the sense that she is the late night worker... Uh, that is taking care of superheroes and the collateral damage, uh, just like she was within the within Daredevil. And then let me let me pull her name up. I I lost. I've got so many tabs up right now. Where is she? <laughs> I'm getting there as fast as possible. I'll help out. Carry on. You know what? Let me look it up. You carry on. All right. So, uh, love interest to Luke Cage, an actual nurse, Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Everything that you know about her from the Daredevil show uh, effectively translated into Daredevil without the love interest with Luke Cage. Uh, I haven't actually seen the Luke Cage series. I just, I, I just for some reason, it didn't appeal to me. Um, I, obviously, I've made a mistake. I've got to rewatch them, especially Iron Fist. And that's what they did. They disjointed the idea of, of Night Nurse into two different characters. We have not seen Linda Carter yet, the actual quote-unquote quintessential okay night nurse yeah. so that solves that that's it's been bothering me for so long and uh we're, we're, we're doing some research for an upcoming story we're gonna do uh, and hopefully we can really pull it off um if you can look in between the lines i think you know what we're, we're doing uh just some fun stuff man like it's it's on guys minefielders it's on the marvel app the four issues have some fun. It's it's old school. Oh yeah! If you've, it's only four issues, it's a it's a it's a romance book too. So don't that, expect it to be to incorporate any of the Kate characters. By the way, exactly. Rosario Dawson's character, her name was Claire Temple in the uh, in the uh, Daredevil series. And Claire Temple in in Luke Cage and Luke Cage yeah. and then eventually Luke Cage Power Man. Now, mm-hmm. uh, if you've never read a romance comic book. Strap in. You don't know if you're going to like it or not. It's one of those things where it's not like whether or not you you don't want to watch My Little Pony because you don't want to accidentally become accidentally become a brony and find out you like <laughs> like something that that you're not going to be too pleased that you like. It's it's not like that. They're just it, it's an old it's a seventies it's a seventies version of a fifties and forties genre that was. Frankly, a lot of fun. Every time I find uh, those romance stuff from the from the fifties at Comic Cons, I, 
I always debate buying them from you, but I'm not going to buy a romance novel for you. <laughs> 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 They're just different type of comics. Like, the way that you would think that uh, a Western is a different type of comics. It's a different type of genre. It, it's fun. It just challenge yourself. You probably got some time in your hands. Sign up for a free week. Read as much as you can. Who knows? Yeah, it's amazing how much content you're going to... Dude, if you like for everybody, if you just spend it for a month, it's all, it's, it's, it's all you can eat, you yeah. know, because there's so much material there. Uh, I mean, yeah, today I was spending all that time trying to catch up on, uh, on Hulk, on, uh, uh, what was it, uh, the Planet Hulk story. Planet Hulk, oh man. I mean, my Wi-Fi started to crap out at a certain point, and then I took a nap, I was out on the, I was on my hammock on the balcony just like really enjoying reading comic books. And then, uh, yeah, I came in a while later, and I was online writing a letter. Dude, there was a swarm of bees outside. Terrifying. Well, I guess we should just tell them. Um, so, uh, next week's episode, because there's no new comics, we're actually, what we're doing is going over the comics that we didn't get to from last week's issue. Uh, Analog number 10, Justice League number 43, The Flash number 752, Jessica Jones Blind Spot number 6, Falcon and Winter Soldier number 2, and Road to Empire number one, the Cree School Road. Um, we got really far in. It was almost like a solid two hours and ten minutes. We were like, okay, oh, we're, yeah. we're going to pull the plug. We're going to review these comics for next next week and let you just get you know a skew on that for this week. Next week, what we're going to do is start the original format from what the podcast was originally supposed to be, which is we would start reviewing... Uh, event books, DC, Image, uh, that, that were, doesn't matter if it's an event, but if it's a collected something and told one solid yeah, story. Yeah, it's a consistent, yeah, a total storyline. So what we're, what we did and what we're doing, I, I'm already finished because I've got like a lot of time in between calls at work, is uh, I read all of Planet Hulk in the entirety of, of <laughs> World War Hulk. So... That was pretty exhausting. Some of them I really skimmed through, like the Ghost Rider and the Gamma Core stuff, but I got the gist of it. So what we're going to do is break down Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, and then uh, the one thing I'm going to challenge myself is to is to break down uh, Son of Hulk, Sakar, or Scar, actually. It's, it's Scar from Sakar, but there's mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the confusing thing, and uh, what, what got me on this sort of jazz was the, the, the confusion about who the Night Nurse is. So if you go back... And or even if you never read them, if you remember the uh, when the rag sheets were coming about, what books were coming out, you would see that there was Son of Hulk, which was this weird bald kid on his way to Earth, and then there was the big, big giant, uh, you know, warrior-looking son of Son of Hulk, Scar, and he he becomes an integral character for for quite a bit. He's dropped off, obviously. They haven't done anything with him quite yet, but to break down how that actually worked, um, God. Just so on the jazz from that, man, because that was whew, the switch between uh, Planet Hulk, Sakaar, to World War Hulk. That that kind of hurt, and uh, yeah. it kind of hurt. And uh, we'll get to that next week. But uh, what else you got? What, have you read anything else this week? Because I've read some random weird stuff. Um, I'm gonna wrap my head around what I've been reading. I'm I'm I I I didn't pick up a whole lot of stuff. I have been reading a book about uh, relationships, and then I 
I have found a bunch of other stuff that I've been dealing with, so I haven't I haven't read a ton right now. I've got the material that I've got last week. I was kind of saddened to see that they weren't really releasing anything digitally. Um, yeah. And then what what were we talking about earlier that they had uh, uh, like Marvel told them to stop creating content, didn't they? No, not Marvel. Uh... Was it? it was the uh, writer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that's just started this amazing arc, and uh, mm. her her tweet got misinterpreted that they told her to stop. They they, they oh, okay. They they told her to stop, not definitely, but indefinitely. Stop for now. Sure. Stop for now. Um, but even then, that's still a scary thing, and she was still really hopeful. Um. I'm kind of glad that that Marvel and DC and all the the big ones decided not to do anything digitally, because uh, just like uh, I think I'm gonna mention it last week was that Stanley said it best that uh, comics are like tits, they're great to look at, but they're way better when they're in your hand. Uh, whether you're <laughs> it's a hell of a thing to say right there, I, I'm not gonna disagree. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed, but uh, the one thing because I'm I'm trying to like it, just fill every moment with not trying to realize i'm trapped in a house at the moment uh which is not a bad thing i'm safe you know i'm 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 very fortunate i'm not you know uh negating my blessings but i'm trying to fill everything i, I reread all of both uh the original uh no way home nyx yeah one through seven uh middleton Casada, and then the second one by marjorie Liu, who did who's currently writing uh monstrous um Great series. Uh, the, the way I would break that down is you've got comics like The Runaways. And a lot of people don't take them very seriously. Yeah, they've kind of kind of got a show, but they're, they're... Oh, no, I love The Runaways. The, the Runaways are great, but like they're, they're definitely a little bit hard to digest when you realize that they have no real impact on anything really canon. That's one of the things I can really appreciate about them. Is that when you have dozens... Hundreds of superpowered characters, and they they're like D-listers, and they're all trying to be A-listers. You have a superhero team of kids in varying ages. I mean, they've some of them have to be in their twenties by now, if it was going to make any sense at all. Um, who are trying to stay under the radar? Or you'd get something like the Losers or whatever, you know, from yeah. a, a couple of years ago, and. Um, and just other like non teams that still have a title thrown at them. Well, well, uh, this is yeah. this is the challenge. This is the challenge mm-hmm. as as a consumer of the product. Mm-hmm. Are you only interested in something that is going to be quote unquote worthwhile, have some sort of timeless quality, or have some sort of bigger ripple effect uh, throughout canon? Whether or not uh, you're the New Avengers and you blow up a, a town. Or you're the Runaways and you're a, you're a blip in a bucket, or are you someone that is seriously just interested in good content and good writing? And I think that's always been my thing. Like I I don't need everything to have earth shattering impact. You know, not every day. Like I always liked the issues of the X Men where they were just hanging out around the pool and like. Somebody was weightlifting or something like that. And then Pandemonium strikes. Agreed. You can make two or three issues. That's why I always liked aspects of The Walking Dead, where you'd have them 
like, okay, hey, let's reevaluate what's going on. We've been safe for this long. We're in our fortified location, blah, blah, blah. Oh, look, the turnips are coming along swimmingly, you know? And then <laughs> something, something crazy happens. Oh, there was a suicide pact or... Uh, somebody got bit while they were out collecting, uh, whatever canasta yeah. tokens or something. You know, just whatever. And so, yeah, I, that's I do appreciate that. I do too. I, when I was a kid, I would I would set up all my GI Joes. They would all be screwing around. Nobody had anything to do. Blah blah blah. And then Cobra would attack, and then it would all get crazy. Well, it was a lot of fun. That, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, like, the, you, you, you I've the always different... appreciated the the slow moments. You, you got the well, well. There's the slow moments, but I, I think I think what one of the big deals is in terms of being a, a, a comic aficionado, and I mean that like as as an aficionado, and you know you've got a, a, a developed palate, is that you can. You can sift through the crap. Uh, you don't write things off as per, you know, judging a book by its cover, even though that you're kind of supposed to. Um, don't. <laughs> That's don't, totally true. Don't, man. don't, don't, don't negate a good story, whether or not it's going to be a, a have a big ripple effect or some sort of huge consequence, because you could be depriving yourself. Of an amazing story that could have a real impact on you, or just really just knock your socks off. The first thing that pops in my head is like uh, the fact that it's difficult sometimes to read what if comic books. Some of them are really fun. Uh, the 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 actual yeah. the actual uh, origin, the very first appearance of Scar, was in a what if issue of uh, Planet Hulk in in, in World War Hulk. And they've just. I feel like I've got that issue, they, but I don't remember what happened. You, to you it. gotta walk the line, you, like. I think one of the reasons why it's hard for some people to really digest image is because sometimes they'll just release one one random dude that you never heard of before, might never hear from, from again, and he's got a solid six issues, and you're like, do I get this? Do I buy the single issues? Do I buy the graphic novel? Depends. How do you... There's so many different questions to it. Is that how you like to... Do you like to binge it in the graphic novel? You can roll it up in your back pocket and trade it to someone else, or do you like to keep them all cherry and have the variant cover of something? Or... And, and challenge yourself to, to really enjoy a good story. Uh, the first thing that popped in my head was uh, the first time I experienced that was when I read uh, an Elseworlds tale uh, from DC called Speeding Bullets, uh, which is about what if um, the Wayne family had found uh, Cal-El oh, right? Cal mm -hmm. instead of uh, the Kents and just knocked my socks off. It was maybe 45 pages. It wasn't that big. It's definitely worth uh, paying the ten bucks to find it. It's 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 definitely a ten bucker, uh, the way that you uh, would find Spawn number one. You know, if you paying ten bucks, it's probably a little damage. Fifteen, you're getting a great issue. Superman number seventy five, the black bag version, you're paying eighteen dollars. Period. Mm -hmm. But that's still eighteen bucks, and it's worth every penny. Um, but sorry, I didn't mean to get so much on a rant there. But that's something. Nowhere. That's something I would really hope you minefielders really will think about when when you're finally getting access to new content or looking for old stuff that's new to you, challenge yourself. You don't know what you're going to miss. Um, there, there's things out there that you would write off right, we, that we've reviewed, like uh, something's killing the children or uh, undiscovered country uh, or even further back East of West saga was another big one. No one was buying that at first and then boom, huge chew, huge. Um, Oh, I think Chu was a big deal immediately because didn't it didn't it have like a 
a uh, preview piece in a Walking Dead. Yes, it was issue. a. It was a. It was a. It was a black and white version. It was the very first appearance of Abraham. No, not Abraham. The, uh-huh. the no, the Abraham already showed up. It was the first the the, the black dude priest, um, Gabriel. Gabriel, and it was the back of that one. And uh, I think you got like five six pages. I think that w- it had a super duper low print run. But the thing was, is everyone that was reading the good comics, uh, the aficionados were chomping at the bit for it and knew that John Lehman's a badass and was couldn't wait to see um, uh, uh, Rob. Uh, wow, I'm spacing on his last name. Rob's work. For, for the artwork, it, the the right people knew it was coming out. Um, also with Saga, it it did it didn't do too well with people that didn't know what was going on. But with people that did know what was going on, they knew exactly that they needed to get it. It was Brian K. Vaughn. Don't fuck around. Get it. Why? Huh. <laughs> I feel like I just like you, the microchine. You remember? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember if I mentioned this when we when we uh, did a commentary track for Starship Troopers. By the way. Plug, plugging Starship Troopers commentary track. Uh, check it out, guys. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the guy that plays Watkins, the one at the end who's like, just trying to kill some bugs, sir! Oh, I love that dude. He was... That guy is... Uh, that's the dude that's playing Gabriel in the Walking yeah, Dead yes, TV series Yes, he now. is. Yes, he is. Yeah. And uh, if, if you go to the, um, the Starship Troopers IMDb, there is a ton mm-hmm. of candid behind-the-scenes photos of them hanging out, which is part of the regular scroll. Oh, which is part that's of the reg- too legit. Part of the regular scroll, like them having dinner, them hugging, uh, just palling around. Like the it, they would have to, you know. We went in and we looked at the work conditions on that job, and they were up in like Wyoming or Idaho. It was excruciatingly cold. It was excruciatingly hot, or it was. Just constant downpours, terrible working uh, conditions. When you're in a situation like that, you're on a film crew, you make friends with absolutely everybody because some, if you don't have an a-hole type ego, you start you really end up caring for everyone because you want to make sure that everyone is uh, as comfortable as they can be. And uh, it becomes a bonding experience. You know, Agreed. It's, it, that's an amazing thing. But, uh, yeah. Let's do some yeah. comics. Dude, I'm ready. Let's talk about comics that are a couple of weeks old at this point. And we'll be ready for some uh, comics that are much older that you may or may not have read in the past. And hopefully we can push you in a direction of checking it out. You got your stack? Uh, you, coming up. You got your stack ready? Ready to rock and roll? I do. I do. Good, because I want to know about Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, Falcon Winter Soldier, it's issue number two. Let me see here. It is, uh, it, it's, it's, it rolls immediately out of the first one. Uh, like, Bucky and Sam are still on the floor of the house where they got their butts kicked by that teenage prodigy, <laughs> the natural. Yeah. And uh, then they get up and they're immediately like, okay, we got to figure out what to do next. Uh, this is written by Derek Landy, uh, artist Federico Vincenti. Uh, wait, Vince, Vincentini, sorry. And I say, I really appreciate the artwork in this, it's very consistent. Um, it's really neat to have this kind of grating buddy cop scenario. And I remember when we talked about it originally, I was equating it to something like uh, Riggs and Murtaugh 
in um, <laughs> in Lethal Weapon. Will, but I feel like Sam is... Yeah, will it to me, Riggs. I feel like Sam is... I, I feel like there's a there, there's totally quality between their lines and their what they're able to push and do in the story, but I feel like Sam is a little bit more prepped for this situation the way they're writing him. Anyway, uh, color artist Matt Mila, really great job in this book in particular, especially when we start seeing this new uh, crap. I can't think of it. Baron Striker, Baron Strucker, Strucker. No, Strucker. Uh, we'll get there in a second. And uh, 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 VC's Joe Caramagna is the letterer. Um, I'll pull it up in a second here. I'll, I'm going to flip to that page as we go along. These VC the guys. The wacky are... thing. Love them. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the uh, uh, virtual calligraphy. Yeah, you guys, if you don't, yeah, Minefield, if you don't know who we're talking about, we're always talking about the letterers. Uh, Marvel has, seems to have some kind of. It's e I can't remember because we looked at it a long time ago. It's either a, a side group that is doing the uh virtual lettering for them not virtual but like the computer lettering or maybe they're an in-house group that's just like hey that's our in-house group like you used to read about the marvel bullpen all the time uh i don't know i feel it was something we read we read, read up on a long time ago it's probably bears looking into again but vc is virtual calligraphy um I, mean, I just the pencils in this book and the coloring is really wonderful. I really appreciate the gradients of of color to generate shading because you can tell that there are like single light sources and that they're paying attention to that. That goes a long way with me. That's very clever. Uh, that's the way it would look in real life. That's the way you want it to look in television productions and in films and commercials. Uh, otherwise, you get like one flat color, or one flat lighting on one character and then you've got something else on another one and it's just not so awesome in that instance uh these guys it's fun because sam and bucky i think bucky wouldn't mind if sam liked him but he's not out to he's not worried about that sam doesn't like bucky because they have totally different styles of operating and sam has been working in the system for decades but simultaneously, Sam is also one of those guys that's like, I'm cutting out because I'm looking after my own people. People from his neighborhood, people from the underprivileged parts of New York City, stuff like that in the past. So he has the outcast spirit. Whereas Bucky has pretty much been an outcast since he, you know, fell into the frozen water after launching away on a rocket, fighting the original... Um, Gosh, I gotta, I gotta get the get this guy's name right. Is it Baron Strucker or is it the, the one with the mask that uh, is glued to his face? You're, you're, you're talking about Zemo. Zemo, I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, Zemo. Okay, so what? I'm, let me go through this in order because it's been two weeks since I read it. The uh, they get on, they end up getting on this train that's being operated by Hydra, and immediately. All of the civilians, it's kind of a ripoff of that scene in the Captain Marvel movie where the woman, the old lady is a Skrull in the train. Well, that, that moment anyways. Then they end up fighting everybody on the train, one car after the other, as if these people are going to be able to defend themselves against two complete pros. Because I'm going to say Bucky... This, the, the Winter Soldier... 
It's hard to quantify them these guys as A-listers. Even though Sam has been an Avenger, Winter Soldier has been an Avenger, they've both been Captain America, but this isn't Thor, Iron Man, and Cap, you know? But, like, these guys are just tearing all of these people up without killing them. But Bucky doesn't mind killing people, and therein lies an awesome pro uh, awesome uh, situation to create drama throughout this entire book. At a certain point, you know, Sam's going to realize I could get rid of this problem forever if I just kill this guy, or maybe I just let Bucky do it. Maybe Bucky's going to turn around at some point and be like, yeah, we don't need to lower ourselves to this guy's level. Something like that. The opportunities are there. I don't want to see that get wasted because this book has a lot of potential. Uh, and that's the thing. There's like so many books where it's just like, oh, yeah, whatever, these – B-list, C-list, D-list characters. They're just throwing them together. No, this is a great thing. This is coming out well before the prophesized, uh, you know, Bucky and Winter or Bucky and and uh, Falcon movie now, that they've proposed. I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought so that this up. Is, yeah, because this isn't a cash grab. Like, okay, hey, let's just make Civil War two because there's a Civil War movie coming out. You know, what do you got to say about that? What I gotta say is that there is, a, I, I've been rewatching all the Marvel movies actually in order lately, and um, what I loved so heartfelt, endearingly, was the Cap scene with Falcon and Bucky at the end. Don't and, and oh, I, I know yeah. that it, I know that Crushing. I know that to most people think that that was a Falcon and a Cap intimate moment, just them together. Wrong. Bucky was on the sidelines there. There's a lot of different things going on here. Number one, Cap is outdated. We're done with Cap. We're done with Chris Evans' Cap. We don't, we don't need him anymore. The reason why is because we have seen the uh, Anthony Mackie's character, uh, Falcon, grow, develop, be the badass yeah, he yeah. should be. And, to, and I'm not going to worry about ruffling feathers anymore is that they didn't pick him because he was black. They picked him because he was the right guy for a job. Like I know, it was organic. It was completely organic. Uh, we've always loved the Falcon. If you, if you have missed the Falcon train, uh, that's okay. But you did miss out on a lot of awesome development throughout the 90s and the 2000s. And keeping in mind, like, yeah, Bucky took over Cap after he was killed uh, at the end of Civil War... But that, that was a problematic event, and that was specifically made to be problematic because it's still Bucky. Go, going back to the scene is that when Cap hands him the shield and he's like, you know, he's like, it doesn't feel like it's mine. And then he looks over at Bucky and Bucky's nodding his head because Bucky knows he's the best man for the job. He knows he's not the best guy for the job. He doesn't have to say it. You don't have to. How do you? Yeah, like it's, 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 it's again, the concept of worthiness. Agreed. It's just not Thor. Agreed. You know, it's not the hammer. It's the shield. It's if if it's if, the symbol. If, it's the yeah, exactly. It's yeah. It's the symbol. And how would you feel if you were picked for the job of Captain America and found out that you didn't get the job on sheer merit that you were the best guy for the job because some asshole at Marvel decided we needed another black character and then gave it to you like on some bullshit affirmative action type way. 
that would be that would be offensive. I, I would find that offensive, even if I wasn't the person in chosen to do that that was chosen because he was black. I would see that and I, I would be offended because how dare they do that to that guy? Yeah. How how like you can't just pick a token black guy like the the fact that 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 well that's the beauty of it. Anthony Mackie, uh, the Falcon. There's no iota of him that feels token at all. Agreed, agreed, and that's my point. That's, that is yeah. that is my point. Right guy for the job. Black, white, Puerto Rican. I don't give a shit. Right guy for the job. It's like I still say to this day. The yeah, I mean, because there is inherent goodness in in. This iteration, the MCU version of the Falcon. Bucky, unfortunately, in that world is tarnished by the tragedy of his life after World War II. It's not his fault, but it's something that he has to come to, he has to, he has to get to peace with. But I guarantee at some point in the future, between the Falcon and Bucky in that movie and wherever it goes, that he will pick up the shield and save the day in an appropriate fashion, but he'll hand it back. And then, I mean, the best case scenario, in my opinion, still, is that there should be a Captain's America book. Like, if somebody said, hey, hey, Colin, what, what do you want to write right now? I can think of like five or six things that I would want to write uh, off the top of my head, but like it's, you know, Captain's America, all of the different guys who have been a Captain America at one point or another, and consequently, it's three of them. Like, and make them a team with their own, you know, or get and get the Patriot, whatever you want to do, however you want to do Agreed. it. But like, Agreed. or me in particular, I mean, it's just the opportunity to present these things and have these characters who are inher- inherently good. We say that Captain America's power. If he has a power outside of the super soldier serum, is that he's always right? Correct. And we've gone through, I, we've gone through that uh, like incessantly, oh, yeah. and I, I love always re-exploring that. He was. I think he the, was right. the the nice thing about we're and we are way off on a tangent from the book, but like no, I, I know how to uh, I know how the to nice thing back. about about uh, the Falcon in the MCU is that he I don't know that he's necessarily always right, but I, I definitely see him being worthy of Captain America. I agree. And I agree. I, I think it was. It's a good direction to go. Now, but uh, when it comes to, anyway, when, when it comes to that scene, though, it set the stage so subtly that to just kind of put it in the back of your head that the Winter Soldier has the Falcons back, and they they're gonna they could possibly be a team. When that came out, when Endgame came out, we had no idea they were gonna do a TV show. But when you found out that the TV show was gonna happen, it made sense to you because that was in the back of your head, whether you knew it or not. That these two guys are going to work so well together. Not just because it's Cap's old buddy, uh, but mm-hmm. th- these guys were were great together. I'm, I'm, in Civil War, when they're running away from Spider-Man. There's a lot of great stuff that happens. And, and, and uh, coming for a circle back to the book, that in the back of my head makes me feel like this book is worthwhile. And that I can't wait to see this... this uh, partnership develop like i i got the books i haven't read them yet um but i i i definitely don't want to be a johnny come lately when it comes to falcon and the winter soldier because well, that's the cool thing i mean honestly i don't know what's going to develop we're talking about whether or not books are going to 
have a, a lasting impact or an overarching situation that's earth shattering. I don't know that this book is going to do that. But the cool thing is that even in issue two, they're talking about stuff that's happened in other books. We get into a situation when they finally do come up in front of Zemo, and they realize, oh, this isn't the original Zemo. That Zemo is dead. You, you know, and Bucky says the Punisher was supposed to have killed you, Zemo. While the Punisher took my hand, not my life. And therein lies an entire situation. It's like, okay, but what long gone are the the golden days of Marvel wherein they would have said in the little box in the corner of the panel, uh, hey, Johnny, come lately. Uh, you could read about that in Punisher, whatever, blah, 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 number this, Smiling Stan, or whoever the editor happens to be. And so there, that would have been perfect. Now I've got to figure out that whole story, and I don't know it. But, like, this isn't actually Zemo. This is uh, another iteration of him. And he has them by the Joes. He's got an entire concept built out for them where it's like, yeah, we can uh, eliminate all of these people and do all of this damage if you don't start, if you don't do some stuff for us. So th that, therein lies the rub. By the end of the book, Falcon and, and uh, Winter Soldier have to um, uh, go on to deal with some stuff for Hydra so they can get what they need to be able to take out the natural and the goofiness is uh <laughs> the goofiness is that they have to go to this kid's house when they get there his parents are uh fanboying out about them <laughs> and are wearing really ridiculous knockoff captain america costumes uh i mean the the, the appeal of this is that these two guys are trying to take things seriously and every time they turn around, something happens to them that they're like, I can't believe this is happening to us. This book is full of humor. It's full of buddy cop camaraderie. It's full of drama. This is going to go someplace. And I appreciate it because it's not coming out at the same time as a movie, forcing the issue and being a cash grab. So this, I mean, nice. I, if you guys aren't reading this yet, uh, give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. There's two issues out right now. We'll eventually get to read more of it later. Yeah, I would have assumed that it was a, a bullshit cash grab. Uh, when it comes down back to our conversation earlier about paying attention to uh, comics that have a great story that might not be the creme de la creme, uh, if you're describing wrestlers, it might not be Stone Cold Steve Austin. It might be an Owen Hart. And... That's, I think, a great metaphor for it because uh, one of the books I've been enjoying for the past, like, I want to say a year and a half, maybe a little bit more, was Analog in the, the pages of uh, mm -hmm. Image Comic Books. Uh, they finally wrapped up the main story. I'm not sure if it's going to continue on. Uh, they definitely left it uh, open for, for interpretation that there might be another one. Uh, I, I certainly hope so. I don't think it can last that long, though. Uh, Analog number 10. Written by Gary uh, Jerry Duggan, uh, they kind of like redacted like they part of the gimmick was like, you open it up and all the the credits are uh, mm -hmm. most of it's redacted. We get just the last names. Uh, obviously, you know, it's Jerry Duggan, uh, artist uh, Blanco Sullivan, colorist Blank Spicer, letterer Blank Sabino. Obviously, we know who he is. Uh, editor V Duggan, and so uh, uh, this is. The end of a big story arc, I'm not going to ruin anything that happens other than to give you a good idea of why I liked it uh, and what 
analog is. Analog is it's not a post-apocalypse story. It's but it's pretty close, uh, parallel but different wavelengths. Uh, somebody, uh, terrorist organization. Uh, what they did was they figured out how to hack everyone's uh, digital footprint and put it out on the internet for everybody. And it was it was pure chaos. All of a sudden, bank bank account numbers, PIN numbers, people's porn history, uh, their conversations via text are all of a sudden 100% uh, public knowledge. So we've got people that are getting divorced, getting fight, getting into fights. They're getting murdered. Uh, secrets from governments are being spilled, and they have to resort to an analog way of life in order to find some sort of way of normalcy, uh, to not have to worry about, to keep some sort of little bit of privacy. And then also, at the same time, they, you know, business still has to go on, you know, as best they can, so the governments are using couriers, getting drops, they're, they're using cassette tapes. Uh, think of everything... Analog, not not digital, not, not no MP3, oh, yeah. no MP3s, that sort of thing. So we we get to that point, and we've got a, a private dick situation here. Uh, it's not too noirish. It's it, it's usually in the day, which was I, I really appreciated that because uh, Duggan uh, typically writes really hard noir stuff, and you know yeah. you're looking at the you know uh, a bird's eye view through the, the through the fan in a dimly lit dimly lit detective's office and some dizzy dame comes in you know with some backwoods story and and obviously she's probably in on it that sort of thing <laughs> it's 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 not that it's during the day not everyone it, they, they flip the they, they flip the script on this the people that you would automatically assume would be the ones that you shouldn't trust are the ones that you should and it's a lot of fun watching the characters develop that way and the story had a lot of great aha moments they had a lot of like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And I was very satisfied with how they wrapped up just, you know, the storyline. It did take a long time to come out, but that's okay. Um, they're not the type of comics that you're going to read in five minutes, maybe ten. But it's definitely going to stick with you. It's not too complicated, and you're going to be able to pick it up after two months when the, before the, or three months in some, some of the cases uh, and not have to have all your other ones out for reference. It's a lot of fun, and I, I really applaud these guys for such a great effort. Uh, the artwork was the only the only gripe I would have because if I'm doing a manager thing and I give you a compliment sandwich, I got to give you at least a gripe. Is that the artwork is is <laughs> <laughs> the artwork is very similar to Jeff Lemire's work uh, when he did like Sweet Tooth mm. or any of his any of his stories that Jeff Lemire is writing and drawing at the same time. It's it's very similar. It's a little bit it's a little bit better, but definitely. Same wavelength as as Jeff Lemire, but that that's what I have for that, guys. And I really hope you guys take the chance when the full graphic novel comes out to pick it up and have a good time with it. If if you don't want to pick it up, maybe your library will have it. They 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 usually do. They're usually buying most of the graphic novels that are out because people it, it keeps people coming in. Right on, right on. Just needed some water. I feel like I've been micro machines, man talking. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what, I've, I'm, I started making iced tea again, and I accidentally shattered my pitcher because my water was too hot, and then uh, I haven't even opened my soda water yet. I'm pretty obsessed with uh, sparkling water these days, and um, I don't know, I've been getting it in cans. 
There's no recycling program here. It's pathetic. But uh, I'm not so going to endanger my mom by driving him across the state. You never know, man. It's yeah, yeah. It's scary out there now, but not right now, anyway. What do we got here? Tell me about Jessica Jones. Uh, uh this was a total like I'm not going to call it a farce. I don't think that's the right word for it. It was more like a. Uh, it'll come to me. You're gonna you're gonna start hearing me, and you're gonna go, oh, okay, you know, yeah, that's I get what you're trying to say. Uh, it's Kelly Thompson, still Kelly Thompson, as the creative team leader here, with uh, Marcio uh, Takara as the artist. The, the The art is significantly different in this issue than it was in the previous five. It doesn't have that abject realism. This is much more, I'm not going to say cartoony, it's much more comic book-y. Uh, if you pick this up and you look at the previous ones, you're going to go, okay, yeah, I see the difference. Um, uh, Rochelle Rosenberg is the color artist, VC's Corey Pettit, letterer, and there is a host of uh, host of other covers. Um, the consistency that we had in the previous five issues, all gone. Like, that whole storyline felt like it was the blind spot storyline. This feels like this is Jessica Jones' blind spot instead of, like, alias investigations or alias or whatever. It just feels like the additive title should go away for this one. It's kind of like when we're talking about Archie comics and it's Archie and Katie Keene or Archie and Sabrina or something like that. It's a limited series. So I feel like Blind Spot should go away, but it should still be in the same numbering system. Uh, it's going to be Danielle. It's going to be her birthday in the story. And so this is just like a, a cutesy story that happens at home in the apartment of Luke Cage married to Jessica Jones and and their daughter Danielle uh like Jennifer uh Jennifer Walters is there the the She-Hulk when they wake up like why I, she just jumped in the window or something and was looking after after their their daughter for a minute eating all the cupcakes that they got for the birthday so that's silly and then they're like then they, they end up with some weird device that uh She-Hulk brought with her and eventually all of the decorations that Luke got turn out to be purple. And he doesn't even realize why that would be a problem for pages and pages. <clears throat> uh, Thor shows up looking like he looked in Ragnarok, <laughs> but with his Thor costume. So he had the cool, like, super short hair and stuff like that instead of the, like, you know, that wasn't cool. locks and stuff. But it's like, why? Why would Thor show up? Thor is off doing cosmic amazing crap right now. And he's freaking King Thor. It's just, okay, you know, whatever. If that's what you guys want to do. There's just that same morass of Marvel Comics. You have no idea if the editors ever talk to one another about what they're going to do in their books. Let alone just have coffee conversation Oh, you, you probably don't want to use Thor right now because there's this big Thor thing going on in his own book. Like, if, if Thor's going to be King Thor right now, I don't want to see Thor 
appearing in other stuff. It's just, I know that it's supposed to be cute and funny in this, but at a certain point, it just really doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, as far as consistency goes, when Thor walks to the front door, we still get that neat, like, Jessica snapshot kind of thing where she's picking out particulars about somebody and it's clues to what they've been doing or where they come from or what kind of people they might be and stuff like that. It's a really brilliant tactic for the narrative and I hope that they I hope that whoever the next creative team is keeps this for time immemorial as long as we're writing Jessica Jones books it's just like I feel like Bendis never thought of doing this when he started writing it or maybe it was an Alex Malib thing but like wherever this concept came from it's freaking wonderful and I really want that to stick around it always lends itself very well to the story as long as we so get... she does the snapshot business out of thor uh then he realizes what this thing is um this weird device uh and he's like okay i'm gonna take this thing away and it's just like okay well why did it even show up then it's not even a it's not even a MacGuffin for the story anyway so all this crazy this lunacy starts happening because this shark guy shows up and attacks them in their home and wrecks the freaking place. Shark guy. And <laughs> yeah, he's like a total gimmick, like you know, M Lister, and he basically gets his ass beat again, more or less, because everyone always underestimates Jessica. And uh, uh, what it amounts to is he is eventually apologetic when he realizes that they're getting ready to have a kid's birthday party, and he's like, "Oh." I can uh, I can try to fight you guys and kill you guys later. Uh, I really don't mean to mess up a kid's birthday party. And it, like gets out of there, and the house is a total wreck. It's just it's just craziness. <clears throat> this is the least Jessica Jones story that I've ever seen, and simultaneously, it's also the same because nothing goes right for her to a certain degree. Anyway, the whole purple aspect of it gets even worse when when Luke, of course, realizes, oh yeah, Purple Man, who essentially mind-raped you for months Oh yeah, months. Purple Man, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, I mean, it's he, that's the amazing thing, is that, like, it's such a big deal in the original Alias books. And then it's another big deal later in when, uh, in Avengers, when... Or maybe it was Mighty Avengers when the big, uh, the raft breakout took place. And, uh, I mean, they pretty much put the Purple Man away forever. Like, he's, I can't remember, is he either depowered or dead? Uh, but uh, what it really boils down to at the end of this, terrifyingly enough, um, while they're getting their act together uh, for the birthday party, the sitter or the the lady who's the lady who's looking after Danny brings her back because she's like yeah there she's had some kind of a problem and i i you guys need to you guys need to look into this Danny comes back and her skin is all purple and there's a purple tint to her hair so if this was a really inventive like foreshadowing of what they're going to be doing in the next several issues then that's completely badass. Good, subtle way to recall circumstances that took place a long, long time ago. And simultaneously, I only hope that it's nothing for a while. 
And it leaves this like really sick undertone, like making making Jessica really un, you know ill at ease constantly looking over her shoulder, and it's a really big problem in another storyline. And then maybe Purple Man shows up again later, or Kilgrave, as it were. Or maybe there's a different purple character. I don't even know. It, that would be legit. Is that a recurring but, uh, theme about Jessica always having to look over her shoulder? Well, no. I'm not going to say necessarily because she really doesn't have like a significant rogues gallery. It's just Purple Man. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, that's, it is what it is. I, I'm just, I, I don't think she always has to. The fascinating aspect of it is, like, other people who are looking over their shoulder can usually rely on her to show up and help them out. And if, if Jessica ever has anything to look over her shoulder for, it's more often than not going to be somebody trying to keep tabs on her that's one of her friends to make sure she doesn't get in too much trouble. And it happens constantly with Danny Rand. It happens constantly with Spider-Man and Daredevil and any number of other street-level heroes. So, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But uh, right now, as a, as a good way to launch into the next... Um, the next storyline in this creative run, I, I like I say, I think that's a pretty clever development. It, but and it could go, it could go one way, or it could drag out a little bit and be probably a lot more interesting. But nobody ever really does that, so there you have it. It's it's always so interesting to hear you talk about Jessica Jones because. <laughs> Like, you're enamored with her the way that I'm enamored with things like... If they if they did anything Eon Flux, I, I, I don't care if it was on a... Oh, my on, God, on, dude. On a napkin. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'd be down. And they they have really... you got to hand it to the guys that have been handling Jessica Jones. Because you and I have been reading her since, since we've met. Like, almost... Uh, wow. Ten years ago. Yeah, I... And I, I feel like I have a complete run of all Jessica Jones titles, uh, and then a lot of extra like additional appearances. Hmm. Well, let me uh, let me go into another one. Uh, I'm pretty sure I talked about Justice League number forty three last week, but I want to bring up one extra thing that really I wish I'd mentioned was we 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 talked about great story with the Eradicator. Okay. He, you know, empowered all these uh, cloned Kryptonians, anything the least bit to do with Krypton, to find the best, mm -hmm. the best people. I mean, the guy's, he's basically a robot that's into saving uh, anything Kryptonian and eugenics, <laughs> uh, which isn't always a good thing. Okay. It isn't always a good thing. So we're, this is Invasion of the Superman, conclusion in the balance, Robert Venditti, writer, Doug, Monkey, Penciler. Richard Friend, inker, David Barron, colorist, uh, Tom Napoli uh, Napolitano, letterer, Brian Hitch with mm -hmm. Jason Wright for the cover. So we're talking six, maybe five issues here. And <clears throat> it, it wasn't, yeah, it, it was a global event, but it wasn't something exhausting that would take eight months to tell. They really knocked this out of the park, really developed characters like of the Green Lantern. And the, the best part was the team effort. Uh, Typically, when you bring someone in new, like if you're doing a zombie film and you bring someone new into your crew, like they're probably hiding a zombie bite. 
Z- Xanadu. <laughs> yeah. Xanadu. Uh, they bring in Man- Madam Xanadu from the uh, pages of uh, Dark Avengers, her own comic book. She had her own comic book for a couple different runs. Uh, my favorite being the one that was in Vertigo about 10 years ago. And you'd think she'd be the, the loose cannon. There was no loose cannon. There was no squeaky wheel. There was no uh, uh, weakest chain in this link. My point here is is that uh, Venditti made an effort to tell a kick-ass tale within a couple of a couple of books, not this huge, long, exhausting. Got to buy all these satellite books for it. Until mm-hmm. within the pages of Justice League, and I want to see that happen more often. It, it it would and back to the aficionado thing. It would make me be more invested that I didn't because the the idea is that unless it's a big event style book. It's not going to have the the big conclusion, the big payoff, the big WrestleMania type story. But there's better stories to tell than just always doing, getting hit in the head with a hammer. This was subtle. It was intense. It, the way the characters redeem themselves in terms of... It's not like one of them betrayed the other and they got to, you know... Like Meek, like Meek and Planet Hulk. We'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Princess Diana, uh, you know she, the, the Amazonian Miss, Mo- Miss Wonder Woman, she's egregiously wronged by the Eradicator, and her her vengeance, like three comics later, absolute payoff. off. Thank you so much. Uh, good job, Diddy. I really hope people kind of take what you did as a quick formula to write great stories without having to uh, take too much money from me or exhaust too many. Too many. I mean, how many how many books do you know that were the peripheral books for something like within Siege or or, oh or, or that that were just worthless? <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, you you got like what we were talking about it yesterday. Yeah. We were talking about Fear itself. You're not a fan of that storyline. I actually like it. And then we were talking about the ancillary books and some. Oh, I think we were specifically talking about ancillary books, not necessarily like. This event in particular, I was saying the wackiness of the Dracula versus Hulk book in that was a tie into fear itself or or House of M, how out of out. I don't know what to say. It just didn't make any sense. The the like anime style mech warrior version of Iron Man in House of M. Like, that one totally didn't work at all. It made no sense. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I completely agree. Some of them were, or some of them are worth it, and some of them just aren't. And, and, and we're not saying that the, the effort that the writers and the artists and editors put into it wasn't worth it. We're just saying that this is some of these books, whatever they were trying to communicate, like, uh, just as, Some of it's just forced. It, it, it's, some of it's forced. What it, some of it could have yeah. been a couple of blurbs. A uh, couple of panels uh, within the the main storyline, but good job, DC. Thank you so much. The artwork amazing. They, they always deliver. I love digital coloring now. I mean, the, the way they they just shape energy blasts and shadowing. I know, dude. Go back and think about what we the great the, the, like what we were talking about with Star Wars a couple of weeks. The lightsabers, they burn. They look like they're. Yep, they look like they're glowing on the page because of the digital ability. It's so different than that pixelated, like three color plus you know dot matrix aspect of printing. 
in the 80s and stuff. Agreed. Agreed. Hmm. But again, uh, dudes in the 80s did what the best what they had. They absolutely did, yep. yeah. Uh, wild ability, wild variation in what you could pull off. Flash, uh, just to move on to Flash number 752, uh, I'm just only going to briefly touch on this one because uh, the Flash erased from time. Guys, if you if this is where you picked up Flash, uh, Joshua Williamson, uh, writer, Howard Porter, artist, hi-fi colorist, Steve Wands, letterer, Howard Porter, and hi-fi for the cover... If this is where you were picking up after a long absence because you were tired of constant time traveling, constant troubles with the speed force, <laughs> um, if you if you started reading this, you would immediately get turned off. Don't remember that these consistent problems are story tools that really push the the the, the <clears throat> flash forward into into better development. That, that yeah, this it's it's I would take constant power problems with the speed force over superman always being able to just grab someone and throw them into the sun with little to no effort i i like when we're when we're <laughs> you know what i'm saying uh yeah I, I like when the when the protagonist or even the antagonist has uh things they need to work around and also i'm just loving this new baddie paradox he's just the the way he came into into being just absolutely thrilled me have a lot of fun with this one because this is getting to a bigger point in Flash, um, you're going to get caught up pretty quick. Don't don't worry about it if you haven't been reading the Flash. But uh, typical storyline in terms of writing. Like, it wasn't like, it wasn't Walt Whitman, but it sure as hell wasn't, you know, uh, a G.G. Allen concert. <laughs> as opposed to, like, the Ramones oh, or something Whitman. like that. Have some fun. Yeah. Have a lot of fun with the Flash. It's a quick read, maybe a six, seven minute or uh, that's that's what I got for that. I just it definitely needed to be highlighted because the Flash has never God. That's another thing. It was just I've been reading the Flash consistently since probably about a year before Flashpoint. Okay, right on. Yeah, and I'll get them, and then I'll, uh, I'll I won't read them for like eight months, and then one night I'll just you know pick them all up and read them in one bender, and it's it's nice to have it like that. It's it was definitely a luxury. Uh, that's what I have for the Flash, mm. man. I'm sorry, but uh, give us uh, oh, no, give, give us the Road to Empire, man, because this is the one I think is the is going to be the meat and potatoes once we they start getting everything printed again. All right, let me hit you. Okay, if you get the cover, and honestly, let me check this. Uh, there is a variant cover. I don't know what it looks like. I've got the regular edition, and the appeal immediately to me was seeing. Oh, hey, there's a Captain Marvel squaring off with a scroll because those are the two big faces on the cover. And I I, don't, I didn't care about the title. I just saw Captain Marvel and immediately was like, oh, yeah, well, you know I'm going to check up on this. And then upon further reflection, we've got... God, I can't tell. It's not the High Evolutionary. That is a sentry. That's a Kree sentry. I love the Kree sentries. There, there aren't any in this book. I'm just saying, like... As far as the Kree concept goes, the Kree sentries are these giant, very powerful robots that are placed on varying planets and they stay there for centuries or millennia 
waiting to be reactivated upon the arrival of some kind of dangerous force or something that that's Cree or interesting. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly like within the yeah. pages of X-Men last week when we were talking about how one of the accusers uh, 8,000 years ago, something like that, decided, like, mm-hmm. you know, we need to present this high, not the high evolutionary, the, what's the Cree supreme intelligence? And, supreme intelligence, and, yeah. And we might need to look into this potential weapon. Like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the I, that's a thing. I like that. The, 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 to pay attention to that across the board, that the Cree are going to be consistently, like, there's got to be a Bible. When you talk about a TV series, they're always like, this is the series Bible. This character, that character, blah, 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 blah. This character will never get killed. This could happen to this guy. These things should never happen. These things should happen. This can be developed, blah, blah, blah. There needs to be a, a Bible on the Cree. This is how you write the Cree. It's like drawing drawing the Marvel way or drawing comics the Marvel way or something like that. Here's how you do the Cree. Here's how you do the... Uh, the Shi'ar, here's the scrolls, etc. Because stuff's just all over the place. And when continuity is messed up, it's I, I, I just it just really dicks everything up. It makes it impossible to know what the hell's going on. This book in particular, okay, Road to Empire with a Y, uh, the Cree Scroll War, number one. Uh, yeah, Robbie Thompson, writer. Matt DeLuis, the artist, and then the, for the present day sequence, this is a, a key factor of the book. And then Javier Rodriguez and uh, Alvaro Lopez for the flashback sequence. Very cool distinctions. I appreciate them sticking that in there. Um, uh, letterer G- VC's Joe Caramagna and uh, uh, Phil Noto did the cover on this. So I'm going to go ahead and say Tom Braveport as the editor, uh, not to mention everybody else, literally. But um, some research has to go into this, just like when we were talking about, what was the other book that Kurt Busiek is involved with? The Snapshots. Okay. Um, fascinating. Like, I really appreciate it when people are drawing vintage Marvel material in it. Now, without it further ado, I'm going to go into what this is. Uh, I'm, and I'm actually reading this. The Warners are a seemingly average family who reside in Stamford, Connecticut, of all places. Uh, and if you know why, uh, kudos to you. But while they live as humans, they are actually Skrull alien beings whose bodies contain unstable molecules that enable them to take any shape as will, at will. As operatives for the Skrull Empire, they use their abilities to hide in plain sight and prepare the way for an invasion or the inevitable annexation of Earth. Now, if you didn't read that, or you if you haven't been reading... The problem I have with that is there's nothing that says like, "Hey, look here, you've got to read this," on the cover or on the uh, on the credits page. I just got into it and I was like, "Who the hell are these characters?" It just goes into it with these people who are scrolls in a really nice contemporary home. Um, it shows you pictures of their family as humans. But they're eating in human clothes as scrolls, and they're all forlorn. And it's giving you this backstory about how their husband slash dad got killed. And I'm like, I don't know when this happened. I don't know anything about that. I didn't read whatever that, that was. I don't even know if that actually exists. And I certainly didn't go back and double check it. Because what really boils down to is I don't feel like 
this is going to be the consistent through line of what they're developing for Empire. This is, in at best, a prelude book. And we all know that they'll make it. This is exactly what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about House of M, Iron Man, or whatever. This is an ancillary book, a prelude. Uh, and so, like, do you have to read it when they actually start Empire? I guarantee no, unless they decide that the whole thing is going to be about a Cree or a Skrull family trying to figure out. This is the book in a nutshell. These people wondering what happened in the past and alliterating it to one another. And then somebody who's supposed to be hardcore deciding we don't have to do this. We don't have to be bad guys. We don't have to be good guys. We just have to be. We need to find peace within ourselves and not get involved in the situation that's about to happen. And I'm like, that's not what Empire is going to be. But uh, things being what they are, the artwork is awesome. There are... Uh, when we're talking about light sources and color gradients and stuff like that, there's a frame or there's a panel on the second page that I particularly like, and it's the family in their their scrolls in their scroll outfits, and because there is a degree of like shininess being depicted across varying parts of them, it makes it look like their uniforms are made out of a synthetic material, and I've never seen anyone depict scroll uniforms like that before and i don't think that's exciting to anybody necessarily but me i'm looking at it and it is it is evidence of excellent artistic acumen well, so anyway uh it's like that in i don't know the star treks when new series comes out new costumes but like and then if you're that into it you're wondering why oh yeah why Oh Why? yeah, you were gonna ask. You were, you've got a Star Trek question for later. Yeah, don't don't let me forget to don't forget to ask that or let me Can't. answer it. But I mean, yeah, I'm just bowled over. I don't know why. I I don't think that this was just something that I got on a hot, a hot like thing about this week. I'm just seeing it, and like light sources are really looking kick ass in our Marvel stuff the last two weeks. They've come up with some leaf, and they do, and it's like, okay, well, what's this leaf all about? Then you get into the flashback sequence, and it is at least as good, if not... No, I'm just going to say it's at least as good as all of the flashback sequences in the history of Marvel Comics that we all read recently and loved. Uh, depicting circumstances, you know, eons ago between the ancient Kree and the ancient Skrulls and how there was another race called the Kotati. Okay. Uh, and they were plant-based and how this, the Kree just like butchered the bejesus out of these Kotati. Uh, and then you get some other stuff like it eventually led to a war between the Kree and the Skrull and it led to their uh, animus for one another. You know, it's an ancient hatred. And um, then we're back in the in the you know the present, and they have one leaf left over from a katati for some reason, and they're all going over it. This entire idea that like the katati could have brought peace between their people way way back, uh, and then they get into a whole sequence talking about the celestial Madonna Mantis, uh, a prophecy come true, and how she mated with. Uh, um, 
Oh, where the hell is this guy's name? Uh, he she mated with a Cree, and they had a they had a powerful child named Sequoia of all things. Um, and then all of this, and then how the Thanosi were released on them, a bunch of clone Thanos, and I didn't know anything about that. As a cosmic guy, there's so much like very. Um, it's to- I don't know if it's offshoot, but there's a lot of under-the-radar cosmic-related storylines that it wasn't necessarily that good, and that's why no one ever references back to it. But, like, that's that's where this comes from. I, would play he- I was playing Heroclix during, during the, uh, Guardi- the Galactic Guardians uh, series release. I ended up with the Thanos, and I was like, oh, awesome. And then there were all of these commons that were Thanosy, and I'm like, the hell is this? And then it says, you know, oh, significant appearance. You can go back and check it out. I never did. This is referencing that. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's what I appreciate. If the editor on this book is going back that far to illustrate all of these things, I can only hope that these Katati are going to get involved with the story later and uh, et cetera. Anyway, this family that's going through all of their conversation about the Kree and the Skrull, uh life circumstances and what choices they need to make are coming they it's like they come under attack they run away they hide someplace and then that motel gets blown up by another monster and then they're (laughs) in a car and then they run away again and they tell more stories and blah 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 it's it's fascinating and kind of like I almost wish that it was being told in the same fashion as the Mar- as the, the uh, recent history of the Marvel Universe. Instead of trying to tell a contemporary storyline at the same time. And it makes me worry because that's kind of the story that I'm telling in my, in my book rewrite right now. Uh, contemporary plot driven occasionally by sequences of flashback like how do we deal with this uh it has something to do with this situation we got ourselves into do you remember that yes okay tell us about it blah 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 blah. and it's a big flashback and it's i I don't know i honestly i hope that i don't drive anybody crazy the way i'm writing that like this one a little bit drove me crazy but i was so compelled by the flashback artwork and the flashback storyline that the contemporary stuff just was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. But um, it's I'm going to say, dudes, it's really interesting. It, I, you know, I'm going to say, like, in the end, once we've all got our Empire main, uh, main line issues, if you're wanting more, I'm going to say you're going to want to try to find this. And I doubt that this has a gigantic print run. This is just a lead into a summer event, so usually it's like it's two or definitely three, right? On hold. Sorry. Usually it's like two or three, right? When there's like the prelude, like prelude to Doctor Strange is only like three, four issues. Um, well, yeah, more or less. This is definitely. I mean, it ends on a to be continued in the thrilling pages of Empire. So, and and I, I want to bring back to what we were talking about earlier was whether or not it's worth buying because is. Like, or is this just a comic for the people that want as much info as they can to be in on the ground floor? Did, does this comic actually uh, matter? Um, I don't know because I don't care about these Skrull characters. I do not care about this family of Skrulls. 
who I definitely don't understand where they came from before they just explained it. And because if this is a continuation of another story, I'd really wish that it would have pointed me to what that was. So I can go back and get them if it's worth it or if it's necessary. Now, but dude, I don't care. I find it really impossible to give a flying rip about Skrull characters. I, you can't take, you can't make the Skrulls lovable or interesting to me in Captain Marvel. You can't, you definitely can't make them interesting to me in uh, in Spider-Man: Far From Home, and. You're certainly not going to make them interesting to me in the pages of Marvel unless you really find a way to do it. They're not endearing characters. They're the bad guys. Like, if you can find a way to make the Skrull characters at least as good as they are dangerously bad guys like the Shi'ar Imperial Guard, then... I could get behind that. But to date, nobody ever really has because they keep trying to set up this, like, refugee thing, like what happened during Secret Invasion. There were refugee scrolls hiding out on nowhere. And, uh, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy almost came to blows over it. And then, you know, you've got this thing where there's families hiding out. I'm like, is this the Skrull kill crew hiding around? Are these guys assassins? I just don't understand. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. We need we need a we need like a one solid good guy Skrull character that isn't Hulkling from the Young Avengers. That's what I good, gotta say good, about this. Good you point. Mean, yeah. Now, do you have any uh, questions about that? I don't have any questions, but imagine hmm. if you. Were 24 years old and knew little to nothing about the scrolls, and then take that mindset and go back to 20. Uh, I want to say 2009. Mm-hmm. No, maybe 2008. When the okay. when and then all of a sudden you know that this new series is about to hit called Dark Rain, but you were told by all the publications that you got to read something called the Cabal, and then you read the Cabal. And you're like, I don't give a shit about Namor. Oh, I don't give a shit about Namor. Doctor Doom, that's that's like, that's like classic rock, man. I don't give a shit about that. Uh, <laughs> classic rock. Yeah, uh, I I do, but I'm just for sake of argument. Uh, White Queen. Well, don't the, don't I, care. I, I already Loki, see where you have care. a problem with that, where that would be difficult because you probably didn't read the Illuminati. Agreed. 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 And that that's my point here is is the argument whether or not. Is it worth it? I'm going to go ahead and say yes because it's not just for the people that are in, in the ground floor. It's I, 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 everything you've told me. Uh, if I was setting it up as, oh, if, I'm, I'm going to rephrase that. If we were setting it up because we do everything, we're writing partners. We we do a lot together. Yeah. yeah. If if we were doing this, and from everything you told me so far, that they introduced a lot of things that I could simply Google real quick, and not have to go into like read the whole Wikipedia page. To figure out what's going on. Okay, so that's that guy. Okay, cool. This is the squirrels. Okay, I, I got the gist of that. Um, you're going back and forth to carefully plant seeds of what you should you should probably know. Like uh, like like the same way that when we did our first Picard episode right beforehand, uh, we we talked about we'd already watched it, but we talked about in order to understand this, watch these 
next oh, gen. Oh, right. Yep. Next gen. Primer. Yeah. We did a primer so, sequel. So this is a primer, so it might be worth something. And these are the things you have to think of when you, if you want to consider yourself a comics aficionado. Don't lie to yourself that you know who these people are just because you've got a glimpse of them and a bunch of different things. Don't do that to yourself. Enjoy these books, even if it might be a one-shot that you're going to find in a dollar bin in five years. Even then, the artists and the writers put the work into it. And oh, well, yeah, of course. They, they put the, I, I guess I'm just trying to play devil's advocate through everything we've been talking about tonight, man. I apologize. Yeah, like, legitimately, I'm not really complaining about that much. I'm saying that I wish I had some understanding of where these characters came from without it going into a narr like a like a voiceover. You know? Correct. I mean, I I don't know that that was printed anywhere. And what really hacks me off is the same thing that I was saying about uh what was it? Um Falcon and Winter Soldier. Guys, like, don't allude to stuff that has happened in other books. I'm talking directly to the editors at Marvel. Do not allude to things that have happened in other books within recent memory without telling us, wh you know, what it was and where. Yeah, like, like if something like they... happened with the Punisher and Baron Zemo, please tell me, go get this issue or this trade... Of the Punisher. They used or to. If something happened. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? They used to do that. You, you know, like when you're, yeah. you're reading like There's, an old. They shouldn't have stopped. You're, you're reading a 90s uh, Marvel book and they reference something. You see the little asterisk and at the bottom you see the, the footnote and it's like, see this book. This specific book. DeFalco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Smiling Stan yeah. or something or another, you know, straight shooter or whatever. Mm -hmm. Whoever happened to be the editor at the time. Tom DeFalco, for crying out loud, you wouldn't believe how many of that that I've seen between all of those guys. You know, oh, the last time Spidey battled the Scorpion was in, I don't know, blah, 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 ASM something or another. Like, for, for, for like seriously, it, it, it's a legit thing to keep doing. It doesn't cripple the artistry. It doesn't take the reader out of the situation. The only reason I can think not to do it is because you've already sold that product. And it is not going to get you any more for a comics reader to see, oh, I need to go get, you know, uh, Namor, the Submariner issue 32 from 1987 or something like that. Right. I, know, I just pulled that one out of my ass. Like, because that's a back issue. So, unless you're, unless you're, suggesting someone go get a, uh, a a trade that's on the shelves right now, it's an incentive for your vendors and your comics dealers to be carrying that trade. But if you're not making any money off of it and you don't feel like there's any money to be made, I guess you can keep doing that that way. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like – I feel like my 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 local dealers my local uh you know they're business people and they carry back issues for decades of back issues and i would constantly like oh i'm reading something from the 90s and i'm like oh cool i want to see what happened with the armadillo of all characters and like i am gonna go look for that back issue awesome it's six bucks 
I threw down. I read it. Oh, hey, I need to read the preceding book, so I might as well get that one next time I go in. It's, it is an awesome quest. It leads you down so many wonderful... It's the click hole uh, of, of comic books as opposed to the internet. Anyway, I'm done ranting about that. But uh, <laughs> what have you got on that one, man? Dude, I'm just, I'm just happy we got to have this sort of discourse when it came to even the most minutiae of comic books that might not do anything. And I really hope our listeners uh, can take what I said and how to analyze things to heart and do their best that way. Because one of the worst things about being a comic book collector is being a Johnny-come-lately and you find out that last week the, the, the issue you, you scoffed at all of a sudden everyone wants and now you have to have it. And... <laughs> Oh yeah. And to to avoid that sort of situation and, and take a chance with some books, not even if it's whether or not you're giving your money to independent uh, creators like an Image or IDW uh, or Dark Horse or to the big names that are paying off. It does. It's okay. It's 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 okay if it's okay if you only want to watch WB. Granted, you're you're, <laughs> you're screwing up because AEW is superior. But that's okay. If it gets you to the right spot, that's that's what matters. Like when people tell me that the most ridiculous pop song just really just cured them of something, and I just want to look at them and like the the um, the shithead elitist uh, pretentious dickhead in the back of my head is like, man, this guy's an idiot or, or girl, and like how like how, <laughs> how how could something like that? There's no artistic merit to that, but it still got them to the right place. So do what you got to do. Just have some fun and let us know what you think. Uh, it's uh, Colin and Josh at MinefieldsComicsPodcast.com. Of course, you can go to MinefieldsComicsPodcast.com uh, if you don't want to mess with any sort of Google or Apple or any Spotify podcast downloader. Everything is available uh, on, on the website. You'll see the top, the last four podcast posts that we did. But at the bottom, if you scroll down, you'll see the player that literally has everything. Just hit play. It'll play even if oh, yeah. it'll play even if you minimize. Um, that's what we got for this week, uh, guys. Stay tuned for next week because we've got a hearty list of really good storylines we want to talk to you about. A um, couple I don't want to mention right off the bat because I don't want anyone to steal it from us because um, <laughs> we we've got some good ideas. But of course, next week we're going to talk about Planet Hulk and Planet Hulk and World World Hulk and. Any other comic news that came up? Hopefully, we got some good news. It's going to be a week. You know, we we everything changed in a week, a, a day, a month, whatever, yeah. whatever it was for you. Could change again. We don't know. So that's all I have for that, guys. Uh, what about you, Colin? No, that's it, man. I'm really looking forward to some more work. Uh, and like, yeah, yeah, I've been I'm ca catching up on the Hulk. Uh, Maybe by the time we get there, I will also not be able to rely just on my memories of having read World War Hulk, which I really liked, because uh, I'm doing I'm doing Planet Hulk right now. Um, I know there was something else, but I can't come up with it, so I'll leave it until later. Thanks, everybody. You guys have a great uh, a great uh, self isolation. Love your family. Call people uh, that you haven't talked to in a long time. Video chat. Just be cool. Take it easy. Take it easy, guys. This is dangerous. This transmission is over. Over and out. Over and out. Good night, y'all. Oh, God, don't y'all. Just you all. <laughs>